Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. If you are still harassed by past trauma, it is definitely going to hinder your ability of real-time engagement with the Father. The fog can lift. You can discover that there are options. You can make the decision to no longer be the one who manages all of your pain and carries all of the weight of your own life. Take a listen, and I pray that this will encourage you to take your next steps in these days of September. I love you all. So as we ring the bell uh, for real-time engagement with the Father, so that we can live in our present life and move into the future. It is oftentimes necessary to address the issues of the past, especially when the self-reliance that was built so deeply in our past as we were victims or we were overwhelmed by circumstances or our needs were neglected or simply that we just didn't even know that living dependent upon God was the actual way we were meant to live, that if we don't address those things in the past, they continue to grip us in the present. And therefore, real-time engagement is not even something we realize is an option. I want to read to you an excerpt from chapter one of my book, From Trauma to Trust, The Making of a Messenger, and then share some of the reflection questions at the end to prompt you to examine, are there issues of the past, uh, the resulting bitterness of that, meaning the unfulfilled expectations and the anger, the resentment and the shame of that, that are holding you back from engaging in real time right now with God? If so, Take a listen. If not for yourself, maybe listen for someone that you know. And maybe you would share this episode with them. So reading from chapter one, From Trauma to Trust. As I grew older, I gradually resisted the abuse more and more. I certainly began to resist God more, even though I had been the typical church kid. Conflict and confusion continued to rise in my soul. I desperately sought to gain control over the swarm of my thoughts and feelings. I wanted to put them all in their place. It wasn't long until confusion's companions, which are disoriented thinking, disillusionment, resentment, criticism, and rebellion, beat their rhyme and reason into me. I appeared one way on the outside and something totally different on the inside. This would become a way of life for me, public pretense, versus private reality. The dual aspects of my survival skills as a people pleaser, class clown, mischief maker, and closet self-hater kept me continually adapting to the things I couldn't change. I slowly grew to resent this deep contradiction within myself, and it never dawned on me that I had options. There was such a deep rut being built by a powerful voice that was gaining great sway over me during these childhood days. I heard it again and again. There's nothing you can do about it. Intimidation and powerlessness were closing the door on any clarity I had. 
It was all blurring and bleeding over, and I couldn't tell where I started, and my dad stopped. And I couldn't get him to stop, and I decided if I couldn't control him, I would control the pain. I would stare into the mirror to harden myself to the pain. If I started to cry, I practiced not crying. If I had an itch, I practiced not scratching it. I would take a belt and hit myself, thinking I was letting pain know who was boss. I hardened myself with great resolve by making vows to never let pain overwhelm me. I was toughening myself up so I could protect myself. I would stare in that mirror and make statements that no one would ever be able to hurt me again. When frustration would mount, I would repeat it like a protective mantra. These words were like a mystical formula, an incantation, a spell I had put on myself. Little did I know I was inviting hell in to be my protector in my bitter and angry ignorance. My childhood-embedded demon was entering the picture, building a base camp of operation under the radar through my vows, while I feverishly struggled to handle it all myself. I thought I was granting myself great control over my body, which seemed to be betraying me at every turn, yet the paradox was I could be had for very little. During this same time frame, other significant relationships were opening me up to betrayal and humiliating shame, though to others they may have been considered puppy love or simple rites of passage into adult relationships, they were driving home already well-grounded truths in my psyche. With ever-deepening intensity, I chose to believe that I would never be anything but second-rate, unlovable, and a recurring joke to be passed around. The disloyalty and flagrant disregard by those I thought loved me were on open display in front of my peers, and I could hear it all so very loud and clear. You aren't really good enough. You'll always be second-rate. No one can really love you. You are a joke. There's something wrong with you. My heartbreak and shame continued to grow. I began indulging in other self-reliant, addictive behaviors. I was 16. When one brand of cigarettes made me nauseous, I didn't quit. I just switched brands. When I was popping the top off that Miller beer, I didn't know that I was grabbing hold of a million volts of electricity that would control me for years to come. I was just a girl who wanted to have fun and get some relief. How innocent hell looks when it comes with sickle in hand to reap what it has been sowing in secret for years. Yet hell was simply riding in on my dark belief that it all depended on me. So I'm going to close out reading the excerpt from the book there. And I want to read to you. Uh, the reflection questions there at the end. Because I didn't write the book because I needed to tell my story. As someone once said to me in the long, protracted writing process that I went through, oh, this must have been so cathartic for you. I'm like, no, no. I, I went through catharsis uh, many years ago, if you will, as the Father brought me through all of it. I didn't have, personally, a need to write the book. It wasn't about what it was going to accomplish for me. 
It was for the purposes of telling the story so that the opportunity for others would be present, that it would give opportunity to be able to show the real true processes of God, and that we must get real about what has been happening in us and to us and I think a very neglected aspect of what God is doing is revealing to us that what keeps trauma continuously uh, recurring in us, reliving it, triggering it, staying in it, constantly focused on it, is because we've not yet really seen the trauma of our being separated and living independent from God. Never am I saying that I'm responsible for what happened to me. No, that was the responsibility of those who did it. But if I'm not willing to look at how in my own depravity, if you will, through the inheritance of a nature that is determined to handle everything separate from God, and I don't see that my ongoing independence from God keeps me cycling in my trauma, keeps me looking and on the hunt for other methods and means of healing and being delivered, being accepted, then I don't realize then that's what really keeps all of this going is that I refuse to bring it to God. Or if I bring it to God, I tell God how I think it should be handled. Or I'm taking just some soulish means of dealing with how people hurt each other. But you see, the trauma that I'm talking about here is what keeps us from real-time engagement with God. So let's make sure we understand the context of what I'm doing here in this episode, is that we're about real-time engagement with God. But if we are not willing to engage because of the vows we made when we were young, because of the ways that we have been handling our own pain management, and I think one of the core elements is when we don't even realize We don't really believe there are other options. We really have come to believe that we are powerless and there is nothing we can do. And I believe that these are three things that I'm exposing here by reading that excerpt from the book is these are things that keep us from real-time engagement with the Father, is we've made vows. No one will hurt me like this. Therefore, we are limited in the things that we can do because we've said we'll never do that again. I'll never be with this kind of person again. I'll never take this route. I'll never take this risk. And we've become quite proud of how strong we are, and yet we don't realize we're actually trapped inside of um, our own flesh and the demonic uh, power that is able to come Um, and trap us, and we don't realize it because it's become the norm of how we live. We're in our own pain management cycles. But you see, this is not our way if we're going to live as his sons. And if we're going to be in real-time engagement in the present and in the future, then we've got to seriously allow the cross of Jesus Christ to deal with these long-standing Um, mechanisms of how we cope with life and how we defend ourselves 
and it has given rise to a whole world view that really doesn't have anything to do with what the Father is currently doing. So he comes to break us out of that. So here are those questions at the end of chapter 1, and I want to really truly provoke you in your own process today. I don't want to be callous to what you've lived through, but in leading you to the Father, I want you to know there there is no greater um, um, offer of help that I could give you than to be a part of walking you towards Him and to the awareness of what's really been going on in our lives. So, chapter one, Reflections. Question. What survival skills can you recognize that have brought development to your self-reliance? Carefully examine any self-protective narratives you have incorporated into your life to manage and ease your pain. Second question. What conflicts can you identify that trauma may have created? Question number three. Where do you see the beginnings and or origins of bitterness in your life? Question number four. How has your concept of God affected your pursuit of him? So I want to leave you with those four questions. I hope that you're getting the book. I hope that you're going to read it in depth. It's not the kind of book, it wasn't written uh, to be a bestseller. It wasn't written to make me an author. It wasn't written, um, you know, to make money. It was written to give opportunity for conversation between you and the Father, for you to begin to slowly but surely begin to walk through uh, things maybe that have been hidden, uh, that if they remain hidden, they're going to continue to be a hindrance to your real-time engagement with God and the life that He has for you. I mean, the days ahead could be very pivotal for you if you choose to go with Him uh, in this way. Because we are literally in real-time engagement with the Father. He is moving, and He is well able, my friends, listen to me carefully. He is well able to deal with anything that's been dealing with you. He's well able to expose and to reveal how you have continuously tried to deal with all your own issues in life. And my friends, you were never meant to do that. That's why many are buckling under the pressure. Many things are having to come to the surface. Is because you were never meant to carry the weight of your own life. No matter what kind of life you've had, no matter if you've had the most pristine, most awesome, most wonderful childhood, or the most horrific, you were never meant to carry the weight of your own life. You were never meant to live independent from Him. And I want you to be hungry to take hold of the life that He wrote down for you in Christ before the foundations of the world, which is not based upon what kind of life you've had here. So don't settle for your awesome life and don't be trapped in your horrific life. Decide that you want the life that he wrote down for you so that you can step into real-time engagement with him. So I'm glad that you stayed with me over these moments today in this episode of Ring the Bell. Come on now. Real-time engagement with the Father. It's going to be an awesome ride. Love you all. 
For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.